Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. All right. Hey, let's get in the word today. Go ahead and get your Bibles out or your iPads or your eyeballs because it's going to be on the screen or your iPhones, whatever. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 for me. A lot, of, a lot of great things going on. You know, so it's fall. I love it. We got great activities coming up. Oh, just one thing I want to let you know. You can go online and, or get the app. You can see all the announcements. I just, I need my time today. I want to stay away from some of that. It is Mission Sunday, so enjoy the, the mission store, the food. All that goes into missions. Be, just enjoy all that. It's a great blessing to use. That is Mission Sunday, so at the end, just, we always ask you to just pray and see what God would have you do above your tithe to go into missions locally and around. Speaking of local missions, Fall Fest, Fall Fest, October 31st. We'll have over 3,000 people on our campus. What a great time to be a tree of life to a lost and hurting community. Amen? And show the love of God. So get signed up to serve. Hey, bring candy. I said this earlier. My family and I, we go out to eat. If we just drink water, we save $10, right? Four drinks, right? Just go out and eat. Don't don't order a drink. Just drink water, and then take that ten dollars and buy a bag of candy. Come on, it's that easy. But that bag of candy will make a difference in a child's life or a family's life coming and having a good time here. Amen. So lots of great things to get involved with. with. Um, make sure you're a part of it. Kicking off a new series called A Blessed Life. You know, it's important for me to spend time every year talking about certain topics. I mean, there's topics all throughout the scripture. I mean, it's hard to, you know, you're just trying to hear from God and what are we going to teach and bring to the, to the church, to the people that gather together, the lost, the hurting. And so there's a couple topics that I love are so significant every year we bring and that we are to bring them. And they're the two most controversial topics, if you will, the most argued, the most, you know, I don't know, offensive perhaps, I don't know what it is, it can create some hostility or division, whatever that is. Uh, one is the person and power of the Holy Spirit, and that's a core value that we believe here at Tree of Life. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a he, and that we are to have a personal relationship with him. He is our best friend. And so we don't apologize for that, but I teach on that because I want you to hear the word, what the word has to say, not past experiences or people, sadly, in my profession, abusing it or misusing it for their own gain or weird or spooky or whatever that is. And then the second most controversial topic, and I don't know which one's greater than the other, but that's the message on giving and tithing. And so, but it's so significant for you and I. It is one of the things that we wrestle with the most. And so there's a couple things I believe the reason why. Number one, again, sadly, there's people in my profession that abuse that. And I wish I could change all that because then they make it hard to bring the truth of the word. And uh, I'm like you, I I, I can't stand all that and and people for personal gain. and, And I get that. And I can understand the pushback on some of that. But it robs some of us from the reality of God's word the truth and walking in it. And it is such a hard thing at times because the enemy doesn't want you walking in the blessings of God. God has a blessed life for you. God has great things for you. There's principles in the word that we walk out in order to, to, to operate in those things, to, to walk in the blessings of God. And so the enemy picks those things that are so significant in our life and makes them controversial and, and misinformation on it, misteaching on it, so that we'll miss out on some of the great things that God has. So this series, I want you to just wipe the slate clean. I know not everybody's going to agree with me on all this stuff. Every time I stand up in the pulpit, I know not everybody's going to agree with everything you say. I'm okay with that, as long as I'm in agreement with God. (laughs) Can I tell you? Because I fear God before I fear any man. I'm going to stand before God one day. But as a pastor, I need to bring you the full gospel. I need to bring you the things that would be easier to stay away from because we want bodies in the church. We don't want people off. But can I tell you more than that? I want people to walk out a blessed life. 
then I want bodies in the church. If you just got a bunch of bodies in the church and people are not walking in the blessings of God, what have you really done for people? And so we want to equip you and empower you. And if you disagree with me on some of these things, hey, that's okay. Because the single most important thing that we, are, we do here at Tree Life Church is win people for Jesus, amen? And we can all agree that's the most important thing is to make sure people find Jesus Christ because without him, they don't have an eternity with him. But it's interesting that the two most controversial topics are directly related to that. The person in power of the Holy Spirit, you shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then uh, the, the giving and tithing is so that all will know, so that the gospel can go forth in power and in might. And so I just want to encourage you and just wipe the slate clean, whatever you've heard, either side of that. Don't take my word, take his word for it. And let me say this, I've heard all the arguments, I've studied this my whole life, I've been in full-time ministry over 25 years, even before that I've lived by this principle. And so I've heard all the arguments, and again, it's okay if you don't agree with me, I'm not here to try and convince you or talk you into anything, because here's what I know, that by my life operating by these things, I walk in the fruit of it. And I will not ever go back, I'm just telling you. So there's not an argument that it ever can change my mind because I walk and experience the fruit of it. So I just wanna let you know up front. But you need to know my core belief and value and that of the church. So let's dive right in. We're gonna talk about generosity today because it's the starting point of everything. We'll get into tithing and other things in the next couple installments. Again, please come for all four. If you can't make it, watch it. Look at all of them. Then make your decision based on it. <clears throat> You're going to walk in the fruit of your belief system. I'll walk in the fruit of my belief system. That's up to you. But I need to present it to you. And so uh, then, then come and then you make the decision and come and be a part of all these if you can. But let's talk about generosity because that's the starting point. It's a heart attitude. It's our motivation. And, and, I, and you guys are always so generous. I love it. You guys are always so giving in so many ways. And generosity is not just a money thing. That's what I want to establish this morning. It's an internal motivation to live a certain way. And so I want to encourage you today to open up to what the internal motivation would be, the core of what we're getting at through all this. Uh, let me get, use a couple examples. You're so generous in so many ways. We can talk about all the things that you've done here and around the world. But just a few weeks ago after Joe McGee's preached, I was uh, walking uh, Joe to his car, came back in, a couple was leaving. I'd not seen them. I said, hi, how are you? Hey, thanks for coming today. They said, oh, this was great today. And I automatically thought, yeah, Joe did so good. Yeah, Joe's such a great preacher. Hey, come back next week. And they said, oh, no, no. We had seven touches before we even got to our seats. And I was just kind of stood there for a second. And at first I thought, really? And then I thought, way to go, tree of life. Good job, you guys. I mean, you're so generous with your handshake, with your smile, with your hug. They didn't, they weren't, Joe had a great message. The, the worship was great, the facilities, whatever that is. But you know what changed our life is someone was generous in their smile, in their welcoming, in their handshake, in their touch before they even got to their seat. Uh, last weekend, uh, a congregant came up to me after service and, and she said, I just got to share this with you. I saw a man sitting on the couch and I went and sat by him and talked to him for a minute and it was his first time. He said it was his first time and she said, well, how do you like it? What do you think about it so far? And he said, I'm on the couch and I'm texting my family because I cannot believe how friendly this church is. I've had five touches already, not even gotten the sanctuary yet. And I thought, that's the heart of what generosity is. It's not just about money. It's a lifestyle. It's who we are, but all of it collectively, the generosity covers every area of our life. It's not relegated to just a dollar, writing checks, whatever that is. It really, it's a heart issue, and that's what I want to talk about. It's a matter of the heart, and out of that then flows life. And so I want to share a few things with you uh, that we find in the Word, and I want to start in 1 Timothy 6.17. 1 Timothy 6.17 
uh, verses 17 through 19. Command those, this is a letter written by Paul to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor. He's pastoring one of the biggest churches on the planet at the time. He's early 20s. Paul's his mentor. Paul planted the church. He's writing this letter and he's saying, I need to give you some instruction, pastor. So I take it to me. Pastor, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth. Well, where am I going to put my hope then? Because I need to have some hope on this planet, which is so uncertain, but to put your hope in God. There you go. Don't put your hope in wealth because wealth is uncertain. Put your hope in God because God is certain. Amen? God changes not. Wealth changes constantly. God never changes. Our hope is in God and in God's word, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18 says, then command them or focus them on doing good. What do you mean? I thought maybe he'd be saying, command us to give. Command us to do that. Listen to what he says. Focus them on doing good things, touching lives, having touches when people come into this place that you don't know, reaching out to people, help change their life. He says, focus them on doing good things to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19 says, in this way, because here's the result, here's the result of what we're doing then, the result of doing, and listen, we don't give to get, that's not our motivation, we don't give to get, but God is so good that he's gonna bless you for doing what he says to do in his word. So when you do what he says to do in his word, here's what happens. It says, one thing's gonna happen is this, that you will lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. That means that when you're doing good, you're doing good things, you're being generous and willing to share, you're laying up treasures in heaven. Now that's interesting to me. Why do I need treasures in heaven? Isn't heaven just really like a treasure in and of itself? I'm just gonna be glad to get there. But listen, if there's supposed to be treasures laid up in heaven, I wanna get in on some of that because here's what I know. Eternity's a whole lot longer than this temporary. And so for whatever reason, if we're laying up treasures in heaven for our blessing, our benefit, or whatever that looks like, then it's important. I want to be a part of that. I want to be doing what God's asking me to do. And therefore, I'm not only helping take care of my eternity, the Bible goes on to say, oh, no, wait, 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 there's more. (laughs) Not just about your eternity, but your time on the planet. Guys, if you can put that scripture back up there. It says, and so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's talking about you're setting yourself up in your eternity, but you're also positioning yourself in your now. He says, you won't really even discover what life that is truly life, what life is truly to be lived as I intended it to be, unless you're a generous person, unless you operate from generosity. There's there's an internal motivation he's talking about, not an external motivation obligation. And that's where, the, that's where the rub is. That's where the argument is. We're talking, we're focusing on external obligations instead of missing the point about internal motivation, internal delight, if you will. Because God's not interested. He's not, he's not trying to get your money. He's trying to get your heart. God's trying to get your heart. And for whatever reason, he tied the two together because he says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He never said where your heart is or your treasure will be. Can I tell you, my heart's in a lot of places, but I don't have enough money to give to all of them. Right? I mean, I have a heart for a bunch of, bunch of stuff. But listen, he says, where my treasures are the things I am giving to, then my heart follows that. And so God is interested in your heart more than he's interested in your money. And so he's attached those things to the two because of a lot of things we'll get into the next few weeks. So I want you to understand we're looking at an internal motivation. Because, uh, and here's one of the reasons why this is important for me to bring this message. I honestly ought to do it more than I do. I should, because it's so significant in the scripture. 
And it seems to me that if something is mentioned numerous, 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 numerous times in the Bible, then it's something that the Bible's emphasizing or stressing. Uh, Let me tell you what I mean. Um, So the word believe, a very important word for you and I, believe is used 272 times. The word pray, we're to be people of prayer, this is to be a house of prayer, is used 371 times. The word love, after all, isn't that the theme of the Bible? God is love. The word love is used 714 times. The word give is used 2,161 times. More than all those other things added up to. The Bible's obviously, God's obviously wanting to uh, help us understand the importance and power of generosity. And so, really, I mean, honestly, I should bring this topic probably more than I do throughout the year because of, look how much it's emphasized in Scripture, but also it's because of how much we struggle with it. Because I believe, again, because the enemy has come in and, and, and people have misused it and abused it for personal gain and lied and stole and all that kind of stuff, whatever that is, and, and it causes a wrestling within us when God wants you, as you saw in the testimony, he wants you to surrender. He wants you to trust. He wants you to trust. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it is the true message. Giving is the true message because that's the heart of God. God is all about giving. Giving's the, the verb in the Bible. God is the subject and you are the object. And God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world. He gave. The whole Bible's about this generous God who's impacted our lives. Psalms 37, 21 says this, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. It is a mark of godliness. It is what we're to be marked by. Let me say this. We're going to be marked by something. As a person and as a church, we're going to be known or marked by something. And I don't want this church, I don't want my life to be marked by other things other than generosity. Like, I don't want to be marked that this church, we're the church with 54 acres right on I-35. We're the church, I don't want to be known as a church that has that big blue oval sign on the front. I don't want to be known as a church that has that big old tent looking thing out there. I don't want to be known as a church that has these events that, that, that 3,000 people come out to Fall Fest this morning when I, every Sunday morning, my routine, I go to a restaurant, have breakfast at 7 a.m. before I come here. The same waitress every morning. She told me today, she goes, Pastor Don, I'm really excited. I'm bringing my kids out to your fall fest. She doesn't come here, but she's bringing her kids out to fall fest. And I said, please come up and, and, and let me see your kids and meet your kids. I hope you come on out. I don't want to be known for the place that has great activities and fun things. I want to be known for a church that has a heart of generosity that wants to change people's lives forever, that they can know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And it's through our generosity, our life, and how we live. I want to make a difference in people's lives. And that's what we're talking about here. That's the internal motivator. That's what we need to be about. Proverbs eleven twenty five says this, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Something happens on the inside. Listen, here's my real motivation to bring this to you today. I want this for you. I'm not looking, trying to buy this or build this or do this. We're doing those things from your giving, your generosity. I want you to be refreshed. I don't know about you, but I could use a little refreshing here and now and then. Then be generous. The Bible says that he who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. My motivation today is so that you'll walk in the refreshing of God. This is for you. And I know, and I wish I could undo all the things that people in my profession do for them. And that's between them and the Lord. The Lord really, I one late night TV, I never I couldn't sleep, I turned on late night TV, and I was just watching this guy, and God said, hey, you leave, that, you leave him to me. You just check your heart. And I'm like, yes, sir. But I'm gonna keep watching. <laughs> so this is for you. We don't want the stress, the stress of debt, the stress of living paycheck to paycheck. We don't want the stress of all that. God has a financial plan for a reason, and God's way works. So this is our motive here. It's not to build 
other things, and we're doing all that. You'll see, we're, we built a, another uh, multi-purpose buildings being used all the time. We're repurposing classrooms because of our growth. We're, we're great stewards with the money. We're doing a drive-through, so when it rains, you can drop your kids off over there. Listen, this is so that you will walk in the blessing of God. I want you to be refreshed, blessed. Ble- generosity blesses you. I want to give you the biblical principle with appropriate context to really understand what God is saying. I don't have a whole lot of time, so live notes is gonna be huge. You can go back and look over some of this. And again, we have four weeks. We're gonna take the time to do this. But give me just a little extra today because of our child dedication time. I didn't wanna cut that down either. So I wanna look in the book of 2 Corinthians because there's two chapters in the second book of Corinthians that really, I believe, helps us understand what God is saying. What God is saying. And so... um, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are letters written by the Apostle Paul, Apostle being church planner. Paul planted a bunch of churches in, in what is now modern-day Turkey and then Greece, of course, and other areas. And so he's writing this letter specifically. It's a second letter written to the Corinthian church or the church in Corinth. And so he's addressing this topic in these two chapters that we'll look at in just, for just a few moments. And he's really, I believe, he's really expressing what the motivation for generosity are. And I, I think you can, you can hear his heart in this as we will relate it to you as we'll look into the scripture. And it begins with the heart. You hear Paul's heart in here. And so uh, let's take a look then at 2 Corinthians 8. Now, what he's, let me set it up just real quick. So he's told the churches, so everything really came out of the church in Jerusalem. That was a starting point. We all understand that. And then as other churches were planted, Paul felt that other churches should give an offering to the church in Jerusalem, just that they should benefit from all the other works because the works benefited from what began in Jerusalem. So he tells the Corinthian church, I'm going to come by or send somebody at some point in time. We're going to take up an offering to give to be a blessing to the Jerusalem church. And so he just tells them so they can be praying about it, thinking about it, and planning on that. And so here's where we pick up the story. He says, now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So when he says the word grace there, he's not talking like amazing grace, like we think of grace, salvation, I'm saved by grace through faith. He's talking about the Greek word charis. The Greek word here, charis, means a divine enablement, a divine gift, if you will. So charis, or grace here, there's a divine enablement to give. And he's talking about the divine enablement and internal motivation and internal uh, enablement, gift from God, if you will, that the Macedonian churches were walking in. Now, the Macedonian churches were probably the poorest of the poor, and the Corinthian church was probably the wealthiest of the wealthy. And so he's talking about the Macedonian churches operating out of this divine enablement, this internal motivator. He says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, can I tell you, only God can pair uh, extreme poverty and rich, gener- uh, uh, overwhelming joy and extreme poverty together, right? Only God can say, hey, you can be broken happy. <laughs> God is the only one. But understand, it comes from an internal motivation, not external circumstances. So he said, out of their situation, they were in a very tough situation. It says, can we go back to two guys? Out of the most severe trial. Man, I know you guys are struggling over there. I know times are tough. But the Macedonian churches were motivated by something other than something external. It was an internal divine enablement. Something greater rising up inside of them. Then it goes on to say this. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the same. He says, we tried to talk them out of it. 
We try to tell Macedonian churches, man, I know you guys are struggling. I know times are tough right now. Don't worry about it. But they pleaded, no, we want to be a part of this. We want to be generous. We want to be a generous people. And they pleaded with them. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's like, no, man, no worries, guys. We know that times are tough right now. And tried to talk them out of it. And they would not listen. They pleaded. Goes on to say this in verse five. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves, listen to this phrase, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping this God's will. And here's the thing, that they, something rose up inside of them and they did it out of a love for God. Did you get that? They gave themselves. They're not talking about they wrote checks. It's not talking about they did all this. They gave themselves to God. We're all in God. We're all in with what you have. We're all in with everything you're doing. They gave into that internal motivation, that internal delight, and they gave themselves to God first, which then the result of giving yourself to God first is then giving yourself to other people right? You give the love of God with all your heart, and then you love others. You give yourself to God completely, and then the, it, it works out, and it's expressed out in how you give yourself to other people. So they're all in giving themselves to the Lord. It goes on to say this. So we urged Titus. Titus were sending there to take up the offering since he had earlier made a beginning. He'd been there before to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part goes on to say, but just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving, not excel in this dollar amount. He's challenging them. He says, you guys are a great church. You're doing great stuff, but let's not just make it about the stuff. Let's excel out of a heart of generosity. Let's excel out of that internal delight, that internal motivation, and then we'll see what the results are. But we're not looking at the amount as much as we're looking at your passion and desire to do that. He says this in verse eight. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. He's saying, I'm not commanding you to do this, but understand that this is a test on how you are wired, how you're motivated. I mean, and really, we'll get to this in another lesson, but the tithe, really 10%, 10 in the Bible is a number of testing. Really, the reality is the tithe, the 10, is a testing of, of where, our, where our motivator is. Are we giving out of external motivation? Are we giving because we've been obligated to or have been guilted into it? Are we giving because we love God? And it gives you and I a chance to see where our heart is because let's just be quite honest, our heart isn't always where we want it to be or where we think it should be. But God's saying, I want your heart. And this test, this tithe, if you will, this giving is a test to see where your heart is. See, everything in this passage, Paul is talking about that internal delight, not the external obligation. And that's where the mistake has been made. People focus on the external obligation. That's where the pushback is. But Paul is saying to these churches, he's saying, no, it's I'd be marked by a, 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 a generosity, a, a love for God, and then let it flow out from there. And I'm thankful for the opportunities because sometimes my heart's not always right. But when I'm confronted with that or at that moment of opportunity, it really gives me the reality check of where I am and how I need to get my heart back in place in line and not fall into some external duty or obligation, but make sure that my motivation is my love for God and my love for people. And he goes on to say this, because here ultimately he emphasizes the internal motivator and then he gives this passionate example. He says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he was on the throne in heaven, streets of gold. He had anything and everything, but though he was rich, 
Yet for your sake, he became poor. In other words, he poured himself out so that you through his poverty might become rich. And I know people teach this passage of scripture and say that you should be rich and, and all that kind of stuff. I just think there's a different word, bless. Bless is enough to have my needs met and to bless other people, amen? And so people will misteach this word, but what he's saying is Jesus had everything and out of what he had, he gave it to be a blessing to other people. That's a proper context when you read the rest of the passage. He's like, he's not trying to make every Christian rich, if you will, but we are rich when we give of ourselves for the good of other people. Why? Because we lay up treasures in heaven and we experience life as God intended. It's a win-win. And can I tell you, that's pretty rich. It's not about having all this stuff and people teach it. You can have all this stuff and drive all this and fly all this and all that. And that's between them and the Lord. But Jesus emptied himself to other people so they could be blessed. And he's saying, that's what's really rich. That's what's really rich. It's not personal gain. It's the obligation, if you will. Not obligation. It's the um, expectation. It's the joy, rather, of, a, a, of releasing what you have or giving what you have for the benefit of other people so that they'll know there's a God in heaven that loves them. And then not only are you storing up treasures in heaven, you got your eternity covered, but you're also positioning yourself for the life as God intended it to be here on the earth. That's what he's talking about here. Let's go on, let's finish this out. He says, 10, and here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, we were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work. Keep going, keep giving. Not a one-time thing. A lifestyle of generosity, a lifetime of generosity, so that your eagerness, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. Again, he's pointing back to the internal motivator. Willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means, not the amount. You know, God's not, it's not necessarily as much of the amount as it is the heart. God's more concerned about your heart. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God's looking for your heart. Not for a dollar amount per se. It begins with the attitude of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. You can hear Paul's passionate plea in this passage of scripture. I believe is a real motivator. Um, thank you again for your patience. Let me give you just real quick five things. Number one, give joyfully. What can we get from this passage? Give joyfully. Have fun doing it. Hey, giving is fun. I tell you, my wife is the best at this. We go places and stuff. She's always giving. She's always blessing people. They don't know, and she's doing it, and we're just enjoying it. It's fun to give. Have fun giving. Enjoy that. Teach your kids the joy of giving. Find ways to bless people and have fun doing it. It is life as God intended. We just saw in that scripture, and you'll enjoy it. Can I tell you this? When you find someone, do it anonymously or whatever, and you bless somebody, you've been there, you've done that. Can I tell you, that is more joyful, that is more wonderful to you than perhaps the service that you'll sit in. I mean, a moment in a restaurant or a moment at Walmart, my wife just walks up and swipes our debit card before they can get that and pay for it because God's put it on our heart. Can I tell you, we were blessed more than perhaps if sitting through a song service and a great sermon. There's something about generosity. And find ways to bless people. In Acts, Jesus said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now that word blessed is just really churchy. How are you today? I'm blessed and highly favored. Hey, have a blessed day. Hey, be blessed. Blessings. I sign off all my texts. Blessings and all that. Can I tell you what that word blessed really means? It is more blessed. The word in the Greek is the word makarios, and makarios means happy. It is more happy to give than to receive. 
2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. So your generosity, your giving, your lifestyle should already be decided ahead of time, not reluctantly or under compulsion because they played a testimony, because they showed a picture of the missionaries or they're doing a big event. Already decide to be generous and look for opportunities for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when you give with your heart more than the amount that you give. He loves it when you're a willing giver, not a reluctant giver. In fact, that word cheerful right there, it comes from the Greek word hilaro, which is the root word for hilarious. And can I tell you, that's me, Pastor Don. Sometimes I'm writing that check. <laughs> this, this is really funny, God. We don't have this money in here. <laughs> you know, that. What's so funny? I just gave every, I just wrote him a big check. We don't have any money bank. I know, let's just laugh. All we can do is laugh or cry, right? I don't mean that. It's hilarious. It's this excitement that comes. God loves a hilarious giver, the joy, the inward motivation. Proverbs 21, 26 says this. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly love to give. Number two, give selflessly. Selflessly, got to be careful because it can easily be selfishly. <laughs> be, give selflessly. They gave themselves, right? Second Corinthians 8, 5 says they gave first themselves to God. When I give, regardless of what it is, when I'm writing my tithe and we do it faithfully, when I'm giving an offering, we give above that, we've got a bag of candy, we do something, pick up someone's check at a restaurant, we super bless the waitress, whatever we do. Listen, it's like giving a piece of ourself. It's not some obligatory thing or some business deal or whatever with the church or God or whatever. It's like we really feel like we're impacting someone's life. We really feel that we're making a change in some capacity because it's so true. We give of ourselves. We give selflessly. When God was the most generous, he didn't give you a check. He gave you a piece of himself, the best part of himself. Let's be reminded again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave the best part of him, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Second Corinthians 9.15 says this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It was everything. It was the best gift that could ever been given. God gave himself. Everything we experience here is because someone gave of themselves. I'm not just talking about money. The chair you're sitting in, someone set it up. All right, came on the parking lot, someone helped you park, you drop your kids off in the nursery or elementary, someone's given an hour and a half or two hours, depending how long this goes, you know, to, to be a blessing to your kids. Someone gave themselves to come up and sing this morning, someone gave themselves to work out there in the cafe, someone gave themselves, listen, the reason why you're here being blessed, because people are giving of themselves right now, and before we came, 37 years of people giving of themselves, that's why we're here, we give selflessly so other people can be changed forever, their lives can be impacted. And you may never know till you get to heaven one day, and you will not until you get to heaven one day. But everywhere you look, everything you see, everything you feel, everything you experience, you are impacted by people giving themselves. Listen, if you, and I encourage you to get some brisket for that lunch, because these guys know how to cook brisket. They came yesterday morning, 1.30, Saturday morning, worked all day late into the evening to cook that. They gave themselves, go buy, buy some brisket, it'll be worth it. Everything is giving of yourself. I, I thought of it this way. Thank God Noah didn't say, sorry, I don't do boats. <laughs> Thank God Mary didn't say, I don't do virgin births. Thank God David didn't say, I don't do people over six feet tall. And I just wanna say, I'm so grateful 37 years ago that my dad didn't say, I don't plant churches. 
I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you grateful people didn't say, I don't do parking today. People didn't say, I don't do kids today. People didn't say, I don't sing today. People didn't say, I don't preach today. Aren't you grateful Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. I'm grateful. David themselves, that's the motivator. That's the core of all this. Not external obligation. So thankful that people gave themselves. Number three, give willingly. I'm giving because I want to. That's why. You have to do all that. You have to tithe. You have to do that. No, I get to. I want to. I've been doing it for all my life that I know. And I tell you, I live the fruit of it. I get to do it. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. I love that. 2 Corinthians 8.12 says this. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. You know, I get asked the tithing question all the time, and we will address it. I've heard about every argument. I've already said that, that there is, and we'll talk about it upcoming. And people argue that it's an Old Testament law or Old Testament principle, and Jesus came to free us from the law. Regardless of whether you think it is an Old Testament law or not, regardless of whether you think we're under the law or we're under grace, when Jesus came, he said himself he didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't get rid of it. He changed the motivation for it. It went from being an external obligation to an internal delight. And we still do it with a different motivation, not a got to, but a get to. And let me show you Matthew 5, 17. Here's what it says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, he says. And let me give you another example of that. And then we'll talk about the, the law and all this and that in, in another message. But listen, also in the law was, right? You remember it, thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't you think that's still a good thing, right? It's still a good thing. But I don't not commit adultery because I'm afraid of what might happen to me or because it's on a stone tablet. I don't not commit adultery because I love my wife. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. I don't love God only because I'm afraid of what might happen to me if I don't or it's written on a stone tablet. I have no other gods before God because I love God. It's that grace empowerment. It's, it's now, we're not living by a set of external obligations, but an internal delight to do it. And again, we'll talk about more about that in an upcoming message. And so, you know, the New Testament church called it grace giving. It's that divine enablement. It's the internal willingness that says, this is the joy of our life. We're grateful for the privilege to be involved in this. We're grateful for the privilege to be involved with what God's doing. So we give joyfully, have some fun. We give selflessly, give of yourself, give willingly, not because you have to, because you get to. And number four, it's one of my favorites, give thankfully, give thankfully. Every time you give offering, tithe yourself, it's an expression of worship. Every time it's an expression of worship. So when we do that at the end, at the end, and, we, and, and <laughs> at the end we do our offering and we didn't put it at the end. If you're a visitor, we didn't put it at the end today so we could do the message first. It's always at the end of our service. But I think it's important to have it there because it's not just a business transaction with your church or with God or however you view it or whatever your, your thought might be. It's an expression of worship and thankfulness to God. That's why we ask you to stay and worship after you give. It's actually part of the song and the giving really are one and are act of worship and obedience to God and our act of faith and trust in God and we stand and we sing with our heart and we acknowledge him above all else and you'll hear me say every week hey this is an important time don't check out right now this is a powerful time because in its expression of worship to God it's thankfulness for me it's like thank you God for whatever you've done in my life thank you how could I ever repay you and it's not a repayment because listen Psalms 116 12 says this 
How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness? You can't. But you can do the best you can by how you live your life and be a, live a life full of thankfulness and gratitude. See, it's important because I'm still amazed. I'm still thankful. I'm still amazed that he would step in and rescue me. Because I know me. I know who I am. I'm amazed that he would allow me to stand up here and preach the word because I know my mistakes. I know my faults. I know me. That he would give me and my family the opportunity to do what we do. That he would even allow me to do this just blows my mind. I can't believe it. I'm so incredibly grateful. We have so much to be thankful for. First Chronicles 29, 14 says this, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything you have, everything you are is from God. You're not the owner, you are the steward. He's the owner and he's asking you to respond back to him in different ways for different things. We're just returning back into him, which is his. And when it comes to time, I'm thankful for the 90 I get to still use and steward. In fact, the, the 90 blessed by God goes farther than the hundred not blessed ever will. That's how that works. We'll talk about that. All of this, all of me is his. Everything I am, I'm only able to give it because you gave it to me in the first place and I'm so grateful. In Exodus 13, there's a passage of scripture, verse 14, I think, where the children of Israel have been delivered and they're preparing a feast, as God said, a sacrifice and and then the Lord tells them, prepare the feast this way, do this. And then when your son comes and asks, dad, what are you doing? What are, why are you doing all that? Then you tell him why. You tell him because, son, we're doing this because we're so thankful for what God did. Because you may not know this, but we were slaves. We were working in mud pits. We were building bricks without straw. They were whipping us across our backs. We had no hope. We had no future. But one day, God sent a deliverer and delivered us from this slavery and from this bondage. And he says, tell your sons and daughters you're doing this because you're reminding yourself of how much God has done for you and you're thankful. And I thought about that and I thought about it and I do this with my kids. I do this with my kids. I, I remind my kids all the time, we are so thankful to do what we get to do because there was a day when your granddad, my dad, who's been in heaven for 22 years now, when he was in Vietnam, two tours, combat tour, three purple hearts, near death several times. He made a battlefield prayer. He said, God, if you'll deliver me out of this, I will serve you the days of our life. When he came home, he didn't. He was like a lot of other vets. He was messed up. He was in drugs. He was in alcohol. And then one day, he had an encounter with God, changed his life forever. And I tell my kids, we do this, and we're so thankful because one day your granddad came back from Vietnam, all messed up in drugs and in alcohol. One day, there was no hope for our family. One day, we were going nowhere, but through all this trauma and all through this hostility and all through this hurt, and then God intervened and changed his life forever. And so we will ever be thankful for what God has done for our family, not just to this point, but on into our future. I thank you, God. It's an internal delight, not an external obligation. I want you to get the heart. I know I'm just, you think, well, there you go. You just made an emotional plea. I just wanted to be honest with you. You take it for what it is. Generosity of the heart is saying, God, you've been way too good to us and thank you. And the last one, give intentionally. Give intentionally. The Bible encourages us to be generous and to connect it back to God. Connect it back to God. Invest in somebody's eternity. You know, you make a difference when we do that, whether we're serving, giving, however that works. We make a difference in people's lives. We connect them to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. 
You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Already have decided to be generous. Make a decision already. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because of a video or a crying pastor or whatever that is. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Be generous intentionally for eternity. The reason why we do this is so people can find Jesus. Is it worth it? to tell someone God loves them? Is it worth it to see in first service six people raise their hand on a giving message to give Jesus Christ to to receive him? Yes, everything is worth it for one changed life. And to be honest with you, where would we be if it wouldn't have been for someone's generosity in some way, shape, or form? They gave of themselves. They gave of what they had. First Timothy 6.19 says this, By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and they will be living a fruitful Christian life here as well. It is a win-win. So the promise, and again, we don't do, our motivation is not to get. We don't give to get. God sees through all that. But know this, because God is so good, he's just going to bless you anyways. You do something for God, he does something great for you. It's just how it works. The promise is this, you cannot outgive God. That's the promise. You cannot outgive God. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You cannot outgive God. That is the promise. Now the scripture says, scripture says this, he gives seed to the sower. And my comment to that is, wouldn't you? I mean, if you were God and you had these resources and you had these people you wanted to reach and then you had people down there and you were wanting them to use it to reach people, who would you give it to? You do that with your own children. How much more a heavenly father looking down from heaven, looking at a lost humanity, looking at his kids and looking at what they're doing with his resources, who would you give it to? The people that are reaching people that can spend eternity with their father God? You better believe it. Every single one of us would do it that way too. God is a good God and he is a faithful God. Thank you for being patient, allowing me to go over. I didn't want to rush the child dedication and I really felt I wanted to get this out today. I want you, I want to start here, the motivator. Our hearts, a matter of the heart. Everything else flows out of that. God's interested in your heart. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.